Ready? I was born ready. I'm Ron Swanson. Studio 537, this is the Doodle Podcast. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, live from the Beats Lab at Studio 537, you've tuned in to another installment of the Dooter Podcast. Sorry. Damn. Shut up. Get over here. Yeah, the dog. Teeks, for those wondering, Teeks just yelling at her new yelling at her new boyfriend back there. <laughs> and, it's, and if you hear something, she's also whooping his ass too. Oh, and now he's in trouble. She got to put put the gag ball away. Kicking off the Duder podcast the only way we know how, and that's off the rails, folks. Welcome. Uh, wow, we've got a pretty neat episode planned for tonight tonight will be our first episode in a series that we're i'm calling catching up with should be fun um tonight we're going to be joined by former hicksville head coach jerry cooper now at lima shawnee and we will also be joined at the same time as him we'll be joined by one of his former players um not elvis but close um, the former player that we're, that we're having on tonight, I would consider in the top six of the athletes to come out of Hicksville High School. Why not the top five, you ask? Because Elvis bumped him out. So, as you can tell, Elvis is here tonight, Tara's here tonight, and Recti's here tonight. And if you're watching on YouTube, so is the crown prince of the Defiance County 4-H Fair, Tatum Bailey. Give us a what up. Bart Simpson. And he's froze. And they're froze. All right. So coming off of our little Mm -hmm. hangover off of our uh, four-week Green Meadows Conference football preview, um, the Green Meadows Conference did not fare very well Friday night, going two and six. Ouch. The two victories were an Antwerp House's Montpelier. This great stuff. I watched quite a bit of that game, and uh, Hale was up and down the field. He had. He, did anybody else watch that? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. He was up and he was excited. He was fired up in the only way that you know that I think that Jason Hale could do it. But he did. Yeah, they they looked really good. And I know it's against Montpelier. Montpelier is not that good, but. Um, yeah, they did very well. 
the other victory in the conference was Ayersville beating Delta. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a pretty decent win. 27, 12. That's a pretty decent win. I, I thought Delta yeah. was supposed to be on the, on the, on the rise. Yeah. They're kind of a land based team too. They're, they're a good size school, but Asia worth a crap, but. Gotcha. A the rest of the scores from the conference were uh, so Antwerp won 49 to 8, Ayersville won 27 12, Eden beat Edgerton 49 22, Wasion beat Fairview 40 to 8, PH beat Hicksville 41 16. And according to Blue, that game was a lot closer than what it, the final score was. Uh, Elvis, you watched that one. Did, did Hicksville turn the ball over quite a bit? or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had three pretty big turnovers. Okay. One, one a kid was getting ready, ready to score nobody was around him and he fumbles it uh, same kid fumbled, I think the same kid fumbled two or three more times wow uh fort recovery Sorry. beat wayne fort recovery beat wayne trace 39 21 and Matt. arlington arlington beat paulding 48 18 i'm sorry elvis did you have something to say yeah the wayne trace game was very good too wayne trace could have uh Actually went up in the beginning of the fourth quarter, end of the third quarter. It was uh, fourth down. It was fourth down, and Elvis decided not to tell us the rest of the story. Now, Super Dave Osborne's uh, son uh, threw a pass in the end zone. <laughs> and, and the Dave kid Osborne. Or Wen's like, I'm sorry, Wen's like. And nice. the final, <laughs> the eighth, the the eighth and final GMC football game Friday night was uh, Tenora losing to Liberty Center 23-21 on a what I believe was a 39-yard field goal to end it. And I'm not wow. shitting you. I listened. I listened to the end of this game, and Liberty Center literally tried to to fuck this thing up. I mean, they were getting false start penalty after penalty after. It started out they were on like the 13-yard line. So what 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 do you got to be on for a thirty nine yarder, the twenty two? Yeah. So yeah, they started out on the I think the ten or the thirteen, somewhere in that between the the ten and the thirteen, and it was wow. Yeah, Liberty said, and then they kicked out, and then they kicked the field. I watched the video of the kick to end it. It was a pretty damn good kick. So yeah, the conference struggled Friday night. In other games of interest, uh, local interest, uh, Defiance beat Napoleon. The Travis Cooper era is off and running. Uh, seven nothing in a defensive battle. Yeah. Uh, our guest tonight, Jerry Cooper, his uh, Lima Shawnee team beat LCC twenty to thirteen. I bet that was probably a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, and then Grove beat P- Pandora Gilboa thirty-one six. So Grove's off and running. Those are your scores. Oh yeah. It was good to be back on Friday Night Lights. It was, it was just so stinking hot. I felt like shit and it was just so stinking hot that I said, screw it and just stayed home. Um, actually swung by Elvis's house to pick up my new Deuter podcast t-shirt, which I need to point this way. My new t-shirt, uh, courtesy of Mark and Anna Shepard. That was, I was pretty, pretty pumped. Those are some nice, nice shirts. Thanks Shep and Mrs. Shep for all of your hard work. And while I'm at it, We've got an email here. Let's get to the inbox real quick. 
before we uh, bring our guests on. Our emails from Mark Shepard. Hey, Duders, hope everyone had a great week. Just wanted to take a moment and, and congratulate and thank the Duders, the Duders for an excellent GMC coaches preview the last few weeks. I don't know if I'd say excellent, but we did okay. The coaches that were able uh, to get on did an excellent job and were able to handle all the tough questions the panel threw their way. Did you guys think we threw softballs? Because I kind of felt like we threw softballs. <laughs> Watermelons. And Teak, well, Teak, you weren't here last week, were you? See, we needed you because we just did. We just, yeah. She's got, she's got stoned. Gotcha. Something to do me. Uh, Shep goes on to say that unfortunately the majority of the GMC didn't fare too well in week one. Good luck this week to the conference. He's got a stump the Elvis question. Ooh. We haven't had one of these in quite a while. I know. Blank is the, yeah, because Andy fucking, what's his name? Andy Dickenwings Dickin sends Wings. us a question. Andy Dickenwings sends us a question, but it's in 14 parts. We're still working on the one. Uh, so blank is the only city where all major sports teams, NHL, NFL, MLB, all have the same colors. Tick, tock, tick. What city? Yeah. Oh, I think I know. I think I know. Help me out, Rackby. I'm going to say Chicago. What do you say? The Cubs and the Bears have the same colors. Bears don't have. Oh, yeah, they don't. That's right. I say Pittsburgh. I say Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is correct. Yep. Steelers. Oh, yeah. The Steelers, the Penguins, and the Butt Pirates. Yep. Yeah. Just not and all looks. I keep telling you that. <laughs> you heard it I first here, ladies that. and gentlemen. Steve Bechtel is yeah, more than right. just a pretty face. That's right. That's <laughs> something in his mouth. I couldn't hear him. <laughs> uh, here's a, and here's a little did you know. Did you know? That major league umpires, and I don't want to, I honestly don't want to know where Shep came up with this. Did you know major league umpires are required to wear black underwear while on the job in case they split their pants? Wow. That's not cool. only did I not know that, I really didn't care. I'd like to know why. Look it up. Hey, Shep, look it up. Tell us why. I, I think. Because if you have white underwear and you have a bacon strip, you can see it through the pants. Just right, right. They don't okay. want that. Do Nobody they wear black pants? Yeah. Gray. Is it gray? See, I thought they were gray. I thought they were black. Yeah. Yeah. So see, the black thing don't make sense. I get it if it was gray. Yeah. Maybe it's easier to find black underwear than gray. I don't know. You're a guy. I have one of each. I buy yeah. the variety packs. It must be the bit. It must be the bacon strip thing then. Elvis is right. <laughs> I've only got one pair of underwear. <laughs> Song. Ah, yes, there it is. There it is. Song made out of licorice. There it is. So, <laughs> reverse. Thanks for the thanks for the email, Shep. Keep them coming, and do please find out why why they wear 
uh, the lack underwear. I know other than because they uh, split their pants. Hey guys, I ran into a beat at over the weekend. Well, at least a wannabe beat at. So John I told, no, even better. I told you guys last week how we had tornado damage at the lake. We finally got up there. They got the trees cut away from my area. Um, so I finally got up there yesterday to get stuff cleaned up and I'm just standing there. I had to take what was left of my shed. I had to take it apart and pile it up and I'm just sweat dripping. You know, it was just hotter than balls yesterday. And I look and the sun was in my eyes, but I see this dude walking towards me. I'm like, God, this guy looks familiar. Who is it? What is he doing? <laughs> I don't know. Wrecked his dog was sniffing him. He was. <laughs> I don't know what he was. Anyway. <laughs> sorry. So I just, I'm and he sorry. got, this guy comes up and I didn't recognize him until he was about two feet away from me, but it was the boss dog. Really? Yeah. I hadn't seen him in a long time. He gave me a hug. I bet that was pretty damn gross because I was a big sweaty mess, but ran to the boss dog. He told me to tell the beatettes hello misses you guys and he didn't confirm if he was ever going to come back again <laughs> well he's from Antwerp but you can only expect so much yeah, yeah but it was nice to run into Boston like I said hadn't seen him man I bet I hadn't seen him since I can't even remember the last time I saw him I can't remember the last time he came on an episode either but um, yeah it was cool to see him other than that it was the yeah. same cast of characters he was hanging out with the pan man and they were doing what they do, drinking heavily and to the wee hours of the morning. All right. So anybody else got anything to add for this segment? Have you guys watched nope. Malice at the Palace? Not yet. No. I, I want to try to do it this week. I want to. It's really good. It? It's the it's Malice at the Palace, you know, when the it's on Netflix, Elvis. On in Detroit. Oh. Against the Pacers. It's on Netflix. Just go to Netflix.com, type in the username CMets56, password foreskin, and that's that you can get in and watch. Yeah, he malice at the Punani Palace. Is it a is it a documentary? Yeah. Jermaine O'Neal directed it. It's really good. It's kind of their side of the story instead of the Oh yeah. And Jermaine O'Neal being the world-renowned director of movies that he is, I bet it's fantastic. Uh, don't be a hater. Always I'm a just hater. Saying. I'm just saying. Pretty, Why did they have Spike do it? How many, you uh, could probably even how, direct a movie. Dude, many, I produce and direct episodes. this damn thing every week. Oh, yeah. A lot. <laughs> how many episodes? Is it, just, is it just one movie, Teak, or is it a, a several? It's just one movie. Oh, okay. Ron Test is on it, so is... Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name. Meta World Peace. Same guy. I was gonna say, what is Ron Artest's name now? Is it still? It's not. It's, it's not Meta World Peace anymore. It's Ron Artest. Oh, it's not. He switched it back. Okay. Oh, he reverted it back. That. Gotcha. That's sweet. Boy. No, I, I do. Is it, it good? I, take. Is it pretty good? It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I'm gonna try it's and pretty, check it out this it's week. Exactly what I expected it to be like. It's like the way I felt when I saw it happen is the same way I felt when I watched it, where I think that the um, the people in the stands that were being stupid are probably the same people that 
are like harassing your daughters right now online or something because they're all like cowards that <laughs> knew that they probably weren't going to get their asses kicked but some did I don't know I just don't I just don't appreciate people that could you imagine someone coming to your job and like and like messing with you and trying to fight you like every day. there wasn't any it wasn't they didn't have any like police officers there it was crazy like the police there was like no one in there to like to protect the to protect the players so i think a lot of a lot was learned by it but yeah, i just I it's just Teak, un- was that in 2003 i think so around there okay. 2003 2004 somewhere in there okay but like the pacers totally got i feel like the pacers and uh oh shoot i can't think of names um pistons the only good pacer player that reggie miller there you reggie go miller. god I think Reggie Miller and all those guys got totally screwed out of a out of a title that year because of the whole fight. It kind of sucks. Because Steven Jackson got suspended for like the rest of the year. Artest did. I think Artest and Jackson like and Jermaine O'Neal all three spent quite a bit of time. I think Jermaine O'Neal had like 35 games or something. Jesus, that's 25. a lot. Yeah. Oh. All right, cool. Well, we're going to kill this segment here. We're take a break. We're come back and we'll get our catching up with with Jerry Cooper. And uh, hopefully we have some good time. Hopefully you guys got some good questions for him. I hope he knows. I don't think we're going to talk a whole lot about his current team, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. So yeah, stick around. Come right back. You're listening to the Duder Podcast. Hey, this is Rob Bailey, better known as Beat from the Duder Podcast, and I'm here to say that Amerimade Realty in Bryan, Ohio is the real deal. I'm not just saying that because I'm an agent there. I'm just saying that I would put our broker and stable of agents up against any other real estate office and we would dominate. And I'm not just talking real estate. We would dominate at bowling, basketball, Monopoly, you name it. So if you want your real estate sold quickly and at the maximum value, Give me a shout. I can be reached at 419-388-9290. Now back to the Duder Podcast. Welcome back to the Duder Podcast. As we, as we, when we clicked out of that last segment, I told the Beatettes that I was uh, going to go take my ham off the smoker. And Recti said, Is that code? <laughs> no, it's not code. I was gone all weekend. I got to get some food made. And I like to smoke fine meats and cheeses. So. We're back, Duder Podcast, with the Catching Up With series. First time we're doing this, and we are proud to be joined by current Lima Shawnee head coach and former Hicksville head coach, Jerry Cooper. Welcome, Coach. Hey, Rob, it's nice to be on here. It's been a long time since Hicksville. People forget that I was a head coach at Hicksville from 90 through 92. So so that's that's been 30 years ago. Well, we've got a little surprise for you here because I've also brought in one of your former players, 
uh, from your first year. Um, and I didn't know this until the other day, but he was your first quarterback. Um, and let's give a warm duder welcome to Jamie Smooth Evans. Jamie, it's nice to see you. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on, Coop. It's great to see you again, man. Uh, he, you know, he introduced me as your first quarterback, but that was only for five games until we figured out that uh, I was the worst quarterback in the Tri-County area. And <laughs> we had to get, you know, we found out that, you know, to run a play, being at run or pass, you had to get the snap. And, uh, you know, one of the first questions that I, I couldn't wait to ask you, and I, I talked to Rob about this prior to, you know, him having me and asking me to come on here is, uh, hey, first of all, can you run the shotgun out, or run the uh, option out of the shotgun? And why didn't we do that? <laughs> you know what? And if I had known now, you know, back then what I know now, we'd have been in the gun, we'd have snapped you the ball every time, and we'd have never had to take the snap. Because I remember how how nervous you were under center to oh, try yeah. to get out from and Bob, this is the honest truth. He was sprinting to get out from under center because, yeah. and, he, and he forgot that he had to take the ball with you every time. Yeah. Is you know, that why? Is that why you had? Because see, you had the center snapping the ball a different way. Elvis, you were a center. Do you remember that? Yeah. How we took upside, the, we took the snap. We held an, our hands in a diamond shape. Yeah, it was an upside down snap. Yeah, so, we, always, we always had those guys flip the ball. And we, we felt like if you got the ball a little higher and a little farther out, you could get out from under center. And, and you know, the old school wing T guys, you get way up underneath and you're set way underneath that. But I was kind of a, um, you know, we wanted to throw the ball and we wanted that quarterback to be able to sprint. So we, we went a little bit higher snap. And uh, we're still doing that to this day. And I can tell you, it can be done. And we have a lot of efficiency. Just it was kind of new for those guys and a lot different than what they've been coached to do in the past. Yeah, and not only that, Coach, but, uh, you know, as far as I went, uh, you know, I was used to taking hand, handoffs, not receiving snaps. So it was a whole new ball game. It was a whole new ball game to you coming into a new school. And, uh, you know, totally, you know, uh, it was a whole new playbook coming in, you know, running the option at Hicksville. And uh, so it was new. And uh, I think, you know, the year, a couple of years after, you know, my senior year, I was gone that it, it worked out and you have, you know uh, you know, we, we fought some injuries that year and um, otherwise I think we could have really pulled it off without, you know, with keeping me at quarterback, but uh it was, it was fun and uh, it ended up working out. You know, Kelby did it well. He, he, he grew up in snaps. That, that was where he was supposed to be. And uh, once we got the people in the right positions and, uh, and uh, saw what we had going on with all the injuries and everything and made some adjustments, it, it ended up working out. And that's when we started winning ball games. But if it wasn't for those injuries, you know, who knows? We could have picked up a couple more W's in, the, in that column. Yeah, and to be honest with you, Jamie, you're exactly right. That that first year was a transition year for us. You know, Kelby was a sophomore that first year, and he wasn't ready to play varsity quarterback. But as the season wore on, he got more and more comfortable. We 
we moved him into that quarterback spot. And he had a couple of pretty productive years at quarterback for us, but he wasn't quite ready as a, as a sophomore. Couldn't have weighed a buck 40. And, he, and you know, Kelvin, he wasn't the most athletic guy in the world, but he played awfully good quarterback for us the next two years. And, and you guys kind of laid the foundation. And then people forget that we came off of that first year and we won the Green Meadows Conference Championship back-to-back years in there and played some mm-hmm. pretty good football in that stretch. And, you know, and we beat Airville for the first time in a long time. We beat Denora one of the two years in there. And those mm-hmm. were the three best teams in the league. Yep. Elvis is trying to show you guys he still has his 92 GMC Champs T-shirt. The question is, is, can he still wear it? Can he fit in? That's on there, Coach. So, Coach, take us us back. So, take us back to um, the fall of 1990 when you – what brought you to Hicksville? Well, to be honest with you, you know, I had been the head coach at Waynesfield Goshen, which was a small school, and my real passion was, was to do both. I'd always been a football and track coach. And I wanted to find a, a small community where I could do football and track. And Hicksville had a, had a really impressive, you know, they just put in the new track and they had the rotary building down there that was neat. And I wanted to do both those. And H- Waynesfield had a, had a literally a stone track. So we'd come off a really good playoff game. And I was kind of trying to find that small community to settle into. And Hicksville just seemed like a really good fit. Go ahead, Elvis. Hey, Coach. I I got one question for you that I got to get out of here. Jerry Cooper, 30-plus years head coach, what, what advice would you give to Jerry Cooper, first or second-year head coach? Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I mellowed as we got in order. I was pretty harsh with some of our players for a long period of time. And, you know, not that that toughness doesn't help make you a better thing. But I, I, I think there's actually a, a more positive, a kinder, gentler head coach now. And maybe that's because the way the game has been coached and the way the, the you know, people require you to coach it has changed a lot. And, and I would say, man, if I could go back and do some of those things different. I try to be a little bit more player friendly and a little bit more, uh, a little bit more receptive to work, and not not quite as much as as a as a um, you know, I guess for me itself be like a, oh, a wagon train driver. I was always driving the wagon train, trying to grind those guys into doing everything exactly the way I wanted them to get it done. So Elvis, you're leaving. Yes, I'll be right back. Oh, Farfrick Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> he forgot to use the code word. Yeah. He didn't use the code word. I'll tell you, oh, Jamie, oh. some things never change in Hicksville. That's what Elvis is still Elvis. He'll always be Elvis. <laughs> hey, Coop, I, didn't, I don't know. How long had you – I know you came from Waynesfield, but how long had you been coaching football before you came to Hicksville? Hey, Jamie, I – I started my first head coaching job was 1984 and I went to Lucas high school and I was just there one year. And then I had a chance to go to Kenya. And so I went to Kenyon college for three years and then Waynesfield too. So I've been, I've been a a head coach continuously 
since 1988. Okay. And I, I I realized that you were you weren't too old in 1988. You know what were you 15 or 14? But I've been a, I've been a head coach continuously every season since 1988. And prior to that, I had that one year of high school coaching in 1984. Gotcha. Well, folks, it seems as though we have somebody new in in Elvis's chair. Another surprise guest is here. Uh, Iron Mike Bailey. Welcome <laughs> to the Deuter Podcast, Uncle Mike. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks. Hey, Coop. How you been, bud? Mike, how are you? Hey, uh, no, I'm Mike, good. It, it, it's interesting because just on Friday, I talked to both Siler and Turnbull, and I, I tell oh, people all the time. I tell people all the time that was the best part of Hicksville is we had three coaches that coached for us whose kids played on the team, and I felt like that just made those coaches that much more invested in what we we're doing. And those guys were all, you know, died in the wool Hicksville community people. And that's what made it fun for me. I got to know the people in the community and the kids and really got taken in by the coaches as well as the players. Oh, we really enjoyed having you all the time, Coop. It was just uh, – I learned so much from three years of being – or was it – oh, yeah, two or three years? Three yeah, years? I was there three. Three. But I learned so much just uh, – well, like what? I come out of junior high coaching for several years and then got with you and I that was – it was pretty awesome. I really enjoyed it. I'd say I learned a lot from you. And I, and I don't know how much you guys have went over that I just got sat down here, but just congratulations on your big win Thursday night and uh, hope you get a whole bunch more. Yeah, to be honest with you, that, that's always a hard thing is when you play against those teams that you've coached at. You oh, know, I when, I, when I was at Columbus Grove, we played Hicksville a couple times, two or three times in, in the playoffs and then after I left Plumage Grove and went to Lima Central Catholic and played Grove every year and quite a few times. And now that I'm at Lima Shawnee, we're playing Lima Central Catholic. Now we played them. So that's always kind of a tough thing. But in, in coaching, you know, those, those kids respond. And it's all about the, trying to give the kids as, as positive experience in that coaching. And, and I always say that the thing that um, I've, I've tried to do my whole coaching career, and, and I really believe in this philosophy is, you know, your job as a head coach, you have a whole bunch of kids in your locker room. And my job is to take all those guys in the locker room, and, and I call them men, take all the men in your locker room and teach them how to be good football players. Then the flip side of that, maybe more is to take all those football players in your locker room and try to teach those guys how to be good young men. And and that's kind of been my coaching philosophy for all of the 37 or 38 years that I've been coaching. I think the last time I remember talking to you was maybe down in Indianapolis uh, at a coach's clinic down there. I think you were off in the corner signing autographs. Yeah. Not real sure, but, but uh, no, I, I think that was the last time I remember talking to you. It was down in Indy. Well, Mike, uh, you know, I got on that Glazier clinic circuit and for about five years, you know, we had had a lot of success at Columbus Grove. And then we had even more success at Lima Central Catholic, or just about as much. So there was there was a ten year stretch, and you know if you go back prior to that, the last three or four years I was at Bath, I had ten straight teams win ten or more games, which is pretty amazing. And yeah, that's for sure. all of those, and because of the success we had, those guys wanted to hear what we had to say, especially about the offensive stuff. And I got on that Glazier Clinic circuit. We, you know, every other weekend, you know, we're in Chicago one weekend and then Indianapolis or Cincinnati or Cleveland or Pittsburgh. And I learned a ton being around those coaches. 
And what I learned was there are a lot of great coaches around the country and you don't have to know everything. You just got to be smart enough to listen to the guys. And we stole a bunch of things from guys that, you know, came from all over the place. And, and I think I'm a way better coach now than I was back in 1990, the head coach at Hicksville. Yeah, that's how those clinics always go. Even if you only take one thing home with you, you know, usually it's always a good thing and just always goes that way for you. Works out great. Yeah, we've had some off, we've had some awfully, awfully good quarterbacks. You know, we, we had the kid that played for us at Lima Central Catholic, O'Connor, that went and played at Michigan State. But I, I want to tell you, he wasn't as good athlete as Jimmy Come on, man. At Hicksville. And to be honest, if I knew what I what I if I knew then what I know now, we would have ran a completely different style offense and Jamie would have been a dynamic, you know, shotgun quarterback. And we just we just didn't, you know, we were kind of setting what we we're doing. Yeah. But that, that's one of the things you do is you evolve over time. And now, shoot. Jamie, if I was the head coach of Hicksville now and you were playing quarterback, we'd be in that pistol shotgun. You'd be zone reading and you'd be running and throwing for a million yards. It, yeah, it just wasn't that popular back then. I mean, that's like you said, that's a that that's the change of times. I mean, you know, the evolution of football, so to speak. Yeah, then the I, world would have never known Kelby Seiler. <laughs> that's right. No offense, hey. Kelby. Squall did a good, great job, man. He came in there, like Coop said, as a sophomore. And, I mean, he did the job, and he did it well. I, I, I was telling somebody else this story the other day. I knew Kelby was going to be okay when he was a sophomore and we were scrimmaging Delphus St. John's. And, you know, Delphus St. John's is just at the start of their, you know, 56 games in a row winning streak, and they're really good. They got a big guy that played tackle at, at Toledo. Kid named Colin Westrick. Colin Westrick, yeah. About six, six, six to about 260. And he comes down there almost untouched. And we're running the option. He takes one step, <laughs> pitches the ball, and this Westrick, it just plants him. And I mean, Kelby couldn't have weighed a buck 40. He gets <laughs> up, his helmet sideways. He gets up, and you can see the look in his eyes like, whoa, <laughs> but I can do this. I remember him coming back to the huddle. He came back. But he stood in there and showed a lot of courage. And I knew then that Kelby, even though he didn't have a ton of, you know, natural athleticism, would be a really good quarterback because he was smart enough and tough enough and wanted to do the job. Yeah, you did a good job of teaching him too, Coop. You, you really got him going off on the right foot. And things just went off for him. We had, you did a good job with him. Mike, we had some really good people around him. Hey, we had two nice – Big tight ends. Homer Zartman played tight end, and Jamie Shaw played some tight end. Running back was a, was a big money, and Wonderly was a good back for us. So there were a lot of moving parts, and Ruoff was a good back, and we had lots of good guys. Uh, you know, Haver was a good back. So we had a lot of kids that were pretty good football players. And then you throw in those linemen, you know, Turnbull and Edwards and Hollinger and all the guys and Neidhart and all those other guys that played on the line. We had good. We had good linemen. We had we had good backs receivers and those guys could do what the head coach was getting them to do. And by that second year, we were a pretty good football team. And and I think we played pretty solid football for really two and a half seasons of the three years that I was there. Well hey Coop, uh, now do you have a son that's still playing? 
I'll tell you what, he's actually graduated. Here's a funny story, Mike. He, um, he went to Lima Central Catholic up through eighth grade, and then I retired from teaching in Ohio. So we went to Tennessee, and we lived in Tennessee for four years. So Tyler played all four of his years in Tennessee at, at a school called Seymour High School in Tennessee. Exactly. And then when we come back, he's ready to go to college. He figures out how he can take advantage of a thing called Tennessee Promise. The state of Tennessee promises every graduating senior that they will pay for two years of college or, you know, some kind of vocational training if you do that training in the state. So, Tyler, we moved back to Ohio. He takes classes through Mississippi State, which is a, a branch in Tennessee, in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's taking classes there. So he actually coaches for me. He coached for me for the first two years I was at Shawnee. And then he transferred all his stuff back to the University of Cincinnati. So Tyler's going to be a senior at University of Cincinnati. He coached two years for me. And then this spring, he coached at Mount St. Joe. Nice. With, uh, with those guys. Yeah. And that was funny. He's just sent out an application out there. He was looking for an internship. And despite the fact that those guys knew Kelby, they still took him. The head coach was, was Kelby's position coach, a guy named Rod Huber. And so those guys all know Kelby and he's hung out around there. And, but they, they played their fall season in the spring. So Tyler coached last fall, his third year, he coached with me in the fall. And then he coached another year in the spring at Mount St. Joe because the division threes didn't play in the fall because of COVID. So they played football in the spring. Well, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the headset back to my son and let the guys take care of this and the, my daughter take care of this that, that are good at it. And uh, <laughs> it's good seeing you, Coop. And I appreciate them letting me come on here and, and saying hey to you. And uh, good luck the rest of the season. I hope you can kick some butt, get some get some work done. Take yeah, care of yourself. And to be honest with you, Mike, the best part of the best part of Hicksville, from my perspective, we had great players, and I love the relationship we built with the players. You and Blue Boy and Jim Turnbull and Jim Siler and you know Volkert and Bauer, the guys that coached for us. But those guys were all good guys and invested in the program, and and it, it was really truly a, a tight knit community. I'm just happy to have been a part of it, and got to know all you guys, and and got a chance to coach the kids from your community. Hey Jerry, take care, bud. Thanks. Wow, that was a surprise. A little surprise Elvis threw at us there. No, I didn't even know that was going to happen. Yeah. Mike Coso's linebacker in sports, he did a great job when, when, when I was the head football coach there. You know, like we said, all those guys were – those guys were tied to wall Hickville community guys. And Siler coordinated the defense and Blue helped coach the secondary. And, you know, Turnbull helped with the defensive line. And then uh, Siler coordinated the defense. And so we had all those guys were – Hicksville community guys and did a great job coaching for them. Yeah, that's got to be kind of nice because most of those guys were already there when you came, so you really didn't have to build a staff. No, those guys that coached for Mike Robinson, Mike did a great job, was was a really sound, solid football coach, and he had done a great job. And those guys had a lot of good football ideas, and the other part was they were willing to be receptive to doing whatever the head coach wanted. And those guys bought in and did a great job for them. Elvis, I thought you were going to the restroom. We all did. I did. That was a nice little head I fake had, you threw. I had, to, I had to trick everybody. 
And it's uh, coach. It's funny. You mentioned blue boy. Actually, I just was just confirming with him. He'll be our guest next week. Um, I, I referred to him as the asshole that replaced you. Uh, everybody just knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. When, when I was at, when I was at Hickville, Dave was the athlete director and I was the head football coach. Well, he was assistant football coach. For me. So the first day I told him to say, dude, we got to get to this understanding. I won't fire you off my football staff. You can't fire me as the head coach. <laughs> <laughs> said, no, that don't work that way. Cause if I fire you as the head coach, then I don't have to worry about getting fired as football coach. <laughs> Coop, I kind of look at you as one of the early pioneers of, of building a culture and building the program itself. I remember, and remember and when you came, I was just in junior high. So I just remember the, the organization that you had. Um, the, I remember coming out for calisthenics. We came out in the shape of an H. Well, there are lots of innovative things like that we tried to do. And the make something happen t-shirts. And, you know. Go ahead, Mike or Rob, I mean. That's all right. I get, I get, conf- they get us confused all the time. Yeah. No, they don't. Between the, between the t-shirts and the just, and I, and I, and I, the one thing I did remember that I found really interesting was, is as we were doing our calisthenics pregame, we had to call out the cadence yeah. as opposed to just saying, ready, go. We had to say, actually call it the cadence. Just some so, things I just remembered. Yeah. Things that you, Things that you know you're going to use all the time, you might as well incorporate those things in your warm up. You know, back then we were probably doing leg lifts and push ups and set ups and stuff in our warm up. Now we do, you know, active stretching and all this other stuff. But uh, one, of the, one of the things that this reminds me of reminded me of a story that I that something that happened at Hicksville. Jamie will probably remember this. There was a great big ass rock. <laughs> Over by the, I was gonna bring this up, Coop. By the pool, and (laughs) for one reason, whatever happened, the the it was the 175th time that I dropped the snap, and I punted the football and said a cuss word because I was so frustrated. And you said, "Hey, smooth, go over there and push that rock over." And I looked at you like you were a crazy man, and I said, "What? You go go over there and push that rock over." And I once again looked at you and said, "What?" And you go. Just go over and lean on that damn rock, will you? <laughs> and, and you know, but go ahead with the story. But it was so motivational; it was genius, actually. And uh, even my brother, who's two years older, I told him that story, and he's like, "Dude, that is genius, man! I like the guy, and I've never met him." Yeah, and to be honest, we we had that big rock, and, and we were not all on the same page and working together. And so, you know, we sent Jamie over there after he fumbled to try to tip that rock over that weighed five tons or whatever so he goes over there and is standing against rock well then i sent the rest of the seniors over there and the and told those guys to push on the rock well pretty soon the whole team came over there well when all guys pushing that rock we're actually tipping that rock around and the moral of the story is you know individually or in small group you know the one senior can't do it by himself even the senior class can't do it by themselves or the offense or the defense but if all 55 guys get pushing in the same direction, it's kind of amazing the amount of work and the amount of energy and things that you can get done. And so the whole team got over there and we got to, you know, basically rocking that rock back and forth. And I honestly think had I let them go far enough, 
they, they might have been able to tip that rock over because all 50, 58 guys were on it. And, and that kind of brought us together because those guys understood that individually, I don't stand a chance versus the rock. And in small group, I don't have a stand a chance. But if we all 55 get on the same page doing the same thing, then we got a chance. And that was the moral of the story. <laughs> Very cool. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, yep. Coach, I got a question. I got a question for you. Let's fast forward a few years. Two thousand three. You're at Columbus Grove and your rematch versus Hicksville. What, what was what was going through your brain, your mind, and all that before? I know I know you kicked our butt and won the or won the state championship. But what what were you thinking about pregame? And, and to be honest with you, it was nice to see all the guys. And I'm thinking, because I know we were a good football team. In 2003, we were good. It's lucky for you guys we didn't play in 2002. Because the 2002 team might have been the best team I ever coached. And the only reason that team didn't win the state title, our starting quarterback blew his knee in a game down at that. Very Christian. And if the 2002 would have played the 2003 team, they would have beat them by two or three touchdowns. And the 2003 team is a team that won the state championship. So, but, you know, it, it was nice to see all those guys and, and get up and get on the field with those guys. I, I had a really good feeling that we were going to win that game because we were a pretty good football team. But at the same time, you know, you, you certainly don't want to, you don't want to, you know, make the, the guys that you have so much respect for look bad in any way. So you're just trying to get through that game and, and, and play as good a playoff football as we could. That, that and you broke our quarterback's neck on like the third play of the game. Yeah, and we, we, ran, a, <laughs> we, ran, a double, we ran a double. Yeah. For the touchdown right before half and made it 28 or 35, whatever, halftime. <laughs> I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I had just ran. <laughs> That's all right. That, that looked like it's being great. Hey, but, you know, I don't forget things that, that come around too. I also remember a year later, after we won the state title, hey, Hicksville beat us over at Defiance in a playoff game. And, and those guys made it to the state semis, and they were a good football team. So, you know, yeah. high, high school football, you know, it, it's challenging, but it's also very humbling. And, and those kids at Hicksville give them a lot of credit. They came back the next year after we kicked their butt and said, we're not intimidated by those guys. We're going to go right after them. And they beat us. In fact, that was the last game I coached it at Columbus Grove. Was a loss to Hicksville at uh, Defiance High School. Really? I I got to tell this story, Elvis. You know, we had been in in the last four years that I was at Hicksville. We went uh, twelve and two, thirteen and one, fifteen and zero, and then ten and two. We lost a regular season game the last week of the season, that 10 and 2 team. And then we lost to Hicksville in the second round of the playoffs. We beat Ayersville in the first round, lost to Hicksville. And Mag had had a slightly stretched Achilles tendon. So he was about 75 or 80%. We lost that game. And and the people at Hicksville, after our people at Columbus Grove, after all those wins that we had had, they were barking at our kids and giving our kids a hard time because we lost game and I remember telling our coaches in the locker room we have created an absolute monster at Columbus Grove 
I don't know whether I'm going to stay around long enough for them to, to yell and scream at our kids because our kids have done everything we ask them to do. It worked out at the end of that season. Head coaches. We've got a few minutes here before we uh, before we have to take a break. But uh, Teak, you've been pretty quiet over there. You want to ask Coach what his favorite college or NFL team is? <laughs> hey, Coach Cooper, I don't know if you remember me. I was a little shorter and blonder then, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I can't think of a question right now, and I'm afraid we don't have enough time. I got one, Rob. Go ahead, Steve. Coach, you coach for a long time, and I'm assuming a lot of great players. Who is the most talented player that you've ever had? There's been a lot of talented players. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the kid that I want to mention first is there were two kids that played for us that were great teammates. And the and the one of those was Blaine May. The kid that, you know, was the tailback on the, in the state championship team. And the thing that I remember the most about him was he would he never had anything negative to say to anyone on a team. He was always positive and and you know he rushed for a million yards. In fact, he scored 99 high school career touchdowns. He needed one more touchdown. He actually fumbled in the game against Hicksville, which would have given him this 100 touchdown. And don't don't let you. I, I remind him of that every once in a while. He, he always talks to me. Hey, coach, you should give me the ball more. I scored 100 touchdowns. He said, No, you had to fumble against Hicksville. You'd have had a hundred and we'd have won the game, <laughs> but uh, he was such a great teammate and, and it had so many positive things to say about his, about his lineman. And then uh, Tyler O'Connor, the kid that played quarterback for Central Catholic. O'Connor was already committed to Michigan state, a senior quarterback. And I would tell the freshmen to pick up all the footballs and the equipment and stuff. And O'Connor would start running and sprinting as a senior picking up footballs and picking up bags and rallying those guys up to follow. And, you know, you don't, you don't lead by telling people to do things. You lead by showing them what to do. And he was so great at that. And, and so being a great teammate and, and being the kind of person that shows the younger players what to do, the, those are things that, that put you at the top of the list in my mind. And then uh, the third one is, the kid that played quarterback for me the very first year I coached was a kid named Andy Booth, who was an all-Ohio football player and all-Ohio basketball. Scored 30 points a game in basketball and was by far our best football player and was an all-Ohio football player. In fact, an interesting story about Andy, he went to Ohio State on a football visit, wrote down all the athletic things that he did, and before he left that day, Ohio State University offered him a swimming scholarship because he was about six high and big ball kid. They literally looked at the time he wrote down in the 50 freestyle, put him in the pool, timed him before he left, said, I don't think you're good enough to play football at Ohio State, but we'll offer you a swim scholarship on the spot. And wow. so th wow. those those wow. three guys come to the top of the list in 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 my mind as as guys that doing some of the things that make you a good football program. And, and Andy had such a great will to win. And and all the kids just rallied around him. He found a way to get it done. Wow. Well, hey, let's let's take a little break here. We've got we've only got about three minutes before we've got a break, but let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, we'll come back with some more from Coach and uh, 
maybe Elvis has got more surprised visitors up his sleeve. You never know about him. Uh, yeah, come on back. You're listening to the Duder Podcast. Drums, please. Welcome back to the Duder Podcast. People ask me what's my favorite part about this podcast, and I say it's getting to choose the music that leads into each segment. But I'll tell you tonight, though, it's been it's been our conversations after uh, after and before we get into uh, uh, get into the actual segment that the public can hear. Um, again, joined tonight by current Lima Shawnee head coach, former Hicksville head coach, which is kind of what we been discussing a lot more tonight jerry cooper jamie evans in the house elvis teak recti even uncle mike joined the party tonight we got to do something real quick and that's we're gonna have to make fun of curtis because it seems like everybody showed up tonight except curtis (laughs) and i i thought maybe smoothie would would could lean on him a little bit and get him back but apparently he's he's not available Um, i guess I tried. Such is the life of Curtis Metz. You're just you, you just got too much going on. Uh, well, no, actually, in that before we hit record here, we were we were talking to Coach about his impeccable memory, and 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 I I want to take this time to dispense a rumor that I once heard or made up. <laughs> now, so let's Coop, let's go back to the summer of '93. You had decided to leave Hicksville, and as players, nobody really knew why you were leaving, and. And the rumor that was going around was that um, now the cupboard certainly wasn't bare. There was a decent, pretty, really, really good team coming back. And and I heard that you didn't want to have to choose between Johnny Carrickson as your starting quarterback or a loudmouth freshman lefty that was coming in. So you thought it'd just be easier to take off. Well, that that's pretty far from the truth. And <laughs> hey, you can you can think about that all you can think it that way all you want, but oh, I don't think there, it. I just made it up. There was a there was a really good crew because you know Turnbull and Edwards and then you know Carrickson was back, and he was a perfect style quarterback. Lefty with you know great athleticism, and there was good kids in that class. Ruoff was in that grade, and and there was a really good class of kids coming back. And I knew Hicksville was going to be a pretty solid football team. But, you know, a chance to coach in the Western Buckeye League. And I hadn't sold my house that I was living in in Waynesfield yet. So I was, you know, it was way closer. And I just couldn't hardly turn down the opportunity to go to Bath. Here's the best thing that happened. After I go to Bath, meet my now wife in the first year that I'm at Lima Bath. And as, as soon as we got married, we got married in 1996. 96, for the next 15 or 16 years, we had like 14 playoff teams in 15 years or or 15 in 16 years. And it's all because of the, the, the dumb luck of myself. I was, I was jotting down um, because <clears> – <throat> What would have been so okay? So you left, and then Blue Boy was the coach, and then for the one year, and that's kind of after that the wheels kind of fell off, and 
Uh, I think we won three games out of 29 in the next three years. Ugh. It was uh, the lean, the lean years we called them. <laughs> oh God, it was terrible. Two years later, Elvis's senior year. By the end of the year, Elvis was the only senior left that hadn't quit, gotten hurt, or I think the very last game of the year at Holgate, Elvis was the only senior left. Man, that, that that's totally amazing to me because, you know, I thought when I was there, Pickett was really talent laden. I mean, there was a ton of talent all over the place. And then, you know, it wasn't long after that, it was awesome. At Hitchville, and so I don't know. I don't know what happened in that transition, but you know, Hicksville, in my mind, was always a good football community. And then, you know, it wasn't long after that when I was at Columbus Grove and we were playing you guys, it was obvious that Hicksville was back to being the kind of football program that I I remember those guys being. Did Kenny Krause coach track with you one year over at Hicksville? I tell you what, Kenny, he did not coach for me at Hicksville. Kenny coached football with me at Bath. When I got the job at Bath, Kenny, their head coach at, at Eden, because he had been coaching football with Dave Carroll at Eden, and then Dave and him were the track coaches. At well, Kenny was working at Defiance at the uh, – I, I, is there a special needs school there in Defiance? Good Sam, yeah. Yeah, and he was working there. He called me and wanted to know if I needed a football coach. He coached both football and track with me at Bath the first year that I was at Bath. And then later, obviously, got the head coaching job at Tenora. And, geez, what a great job he's done. So he's in your coaching tree then? Yeah, he's way smarter than I am. Well, I can tell you that because <laughs> he, he found a good place to go and stay. <clears throat> you need to teach him how to use Zoom then, Coach. I'm, I've gone to these things and, and had, to, uh, had to help rejuvenate or take over programs and get those guys revving going. And uh, Kenny has got it going at the Nora and stayed there and has done a great job. I was trying to think because I, I thought he was at Hicksville for a year. At least I remember seeing him around the school anyway. Well, he, Coaching I track. He, I think he did do that. He coached football for me at Bath and one year of track. And then the next year, he was his track coach. And I think the following year, he became Tenora's head football coach. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you said you're retired. You retired from teaching? I actually did. I retired from teaching back, been seven years ago. I, I retired and I went to Tennessee for four. But then when I came back to Shawnee, I was a retired rehire. Okay. And so got a, got an opportunity. And now, after the first three years, this fall is going to be the first year. I'm no longer teaching school. I'm just coaching football. I was telling somebody this the other day. It took me 38 years to get the job that I always wanted, which was to just be the football coach. So now I'm just a football coach, and I finally got the job I want. Now we'll see if I can coach those guys well enough to see us get better. Hey, Coach. Hey, Coach. What's the difference between Tennessee and Ohio football? You know – um, Here's a here's a, a be a good analogy. In Ohio, there's 88 counties, and you know almost 800 schools that play football. There are 98 counties, and there's only 380 some that play football. So the schools are way bigger, 
and there's way fewer schools. So, you know, the, the caliber of football, there's not, there's not as many of the small school, you know, like there is in Northwest Ohio, small school programs. So the schools are quite a bit bigger. And then there's way fewer schools in the state. Yeah, good athletes right. down there. Well, I think it's just like every place else. Hey, you get in the right place. There's a ton of kids that want to play football. And because the schools are so much bigger, you know, I, I'll give you an example. We played a school when I was at Seymour called Jefferson County, and it's where Jefferson City, Tennessee is at. Jefferson City or Jefferson County High School had almost 4,000 kids in their high school. They had, they had a wow. separate freshman academy that had 1,000 kids in it. Then their three grades at the high school had about 31 or 3,200 kids. Well, if you got 1,000 boys or 1,000 kids in the high school, you got 500 boys in each grade. There's 1,000 kids in each grade, 500 boys in each grade. You ought to be able to find 11. And so we're playing those guys, and literally our high school was one-fourth the size there. We had about 1,000 kids in the high school at Seymour, and we played a school that had almost 4,000 kids. No, doesn't seem too fair. No, and to be honest with you, we beat them. We beat them two of the four years that I was in in uh, Seymour, and you know, you only put eleven out there at a time, but it, they just had so many more kids to choose from, and so many more coaches, and and just all the things around the program, and and that's one of the things that's kind of unique about Tennessee is they don't actually have leagues in Tennessee when you play the same rules, they put you in your football playoff region before the season starts. They identify what size class you are and you go in a region. Then within your regular season is you have to play the other six or seven teams in your region. And then you get those three or four non-conference games to go along with that. And then once the playoffs started, only the top two or three teams in each region make the playoff. And you play the geographical region that's right next to you. So we were in Upper East Tennessee. We play the region right beside us. What do you think about uh, the Ohio expanded playoff form this year? Well, to be honest with you, Elvis, I, I was not in favor of the expanded playoffs. Number one, it moves the season way too far, you know, forward. I don't know that you need to start football in the middle of July, to be honest with you. And then season start. Heck, we're going to have three games. A third of our season will be over before Labor Day. We're going to play three varsity football games before Labor Day. And I, I just think they've put way too much emphasis on, you know, getting more teams in the playoffs. And I liked it when it was eight. And I even liked it even better before then when it was only four teams. Yeah, other than when we finished fifth and sixth a couple of years in the computer points. Yep, and, and my answer to that would be, I guarantee you there was a game or two in there that if you could have won those games, you'd have been in. When there were, when there were teams that finished fifth and sixth, there were at four, almost nobody went 10-0 and 0 or 9-1 and, and didn't get in. And then when they went to eight, it was about impossible to go 9-0 and 0 or 10-0 or 9-1. and 1 not get in. So there's very few yeah. opportunities that if you win the games on your schedule that you don't get in. 
was there was there were there was computer points the reason behind scheduling a team like Newark Catholic back in '92? There were a couple. There were a couple things. Uh, number one, they were the best team in the in the state, and I wanted to, to convince our guys that we could play at that highest level. So that was part of it. And then the second part was, is at Hicksville and, and all the small schools, you don't have to win every game to get in. You know, most years, eight and two or nine and one would get you in the playoffs. And so it didn't matter that you played that one team that was way out there that maybe you couldn't beat. And I don't know whether you guys remember, but we played North Catholic, and that was a pretty hard-fought game. I think they had to beat a 17 to seven, or maybe 17 to nothing. But we, we, we held our own versus a team that had just won the state title and actually won the state title the year that we played it. How did you end up scheduling them? Do you remember? You know, Let's test be, that memory. To be honest with you, I, I, I don't know how they ended up on the schedule other than the, the Green Meadows Conference. And, and I always thought it had an even number of teams. So I don't know how we had a date, an open date way late in the middle of the season like that. But for some reason, we had an open date in the middle of the season. And you know how it is when you have those dates. There's only a few teams that you could play. And we could have gone over into Indiana and played a bigger score, maybe played one of those teams. And I just elected to play Newark Catholic because of the football tradition. And I thought that would be a good step forward for our program is to play what, what a lot of people realize is one of the best small school programs in the state. They play those guys and see where we match up and prove to our kids that they're not that much different than them. Sorry, I think I cut you off, Elvis. No, I was, I, I was just going to say, uh, Newark Catholic's uh, running back went to uh, Toledo when I was there, uh, Greg Stuckey, and he said uh, – he was pretty impressed, but they said they never even heard of the school of Hicksville. And when we came down there, uh, if you remember, we came from underneath the stadium and came up to the field. And I thought that was one of the neatest things that ever, you know, and then all you could see was our crowd and them, them cheering us. That, that was pretty neat. But Greg did say it was one of the toughest games that, from a school that they never even heard of. Yeah, to be honest with you, Mike, we probably played those guys as well as anybody. And uh, that that was kind of a – that was a unique situation because we played – we had a play on a Saturday, and we made that long drive. Then we actually spent the night after the game down in, in Newark and brought our guys home on Sunday. And it was a experience, and I think it helped program as a whole realized that we could play at that next level um the guy i remember off that team was they had a guy that played at ohio state that played for those guys that rob kelly yeah. he not only played at ohio state he played about eight years seven or eight years in the nfl and, uh, so we, we played against him when he he was a newark catholic and he was one of the running backs and defensive backs. Yeah. and I think about six or seven guys had a Saturday morning too. I forgot. I forgot about that. We did. You guys did the ACT, and then we got on the bus to go down there. Yeah. Wow. 
I think we all scored a combined like 22. <laughs> yeah, it probably took seven of you to get to that 22. <laughs> exactly. Or, or Jones and Haver with you, Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had three. They were three. <laughs> wow. Hey, there, there's a blast. Haver was a great personality, but man, there were times he would forget the simplest of things. And Josie, <laughs> those guys, they were they were a challenge to say the least. <laughs> those guys were those guys were good kids, and they were with us, and they wanted to eat. That, that's the thing I remember more about Hicksville than anything is all the people and and the players that were there and the and the people from the community. And I, I, I tell people. From all over, how impressed I was about the fact that Hicksville had all those small factories, and almost everybody that lived in Hicksville worked right there in Hicksville and just stayed there forever. <laughs> yep. Now, now all the factories are gone. Are they? Yeah. Well, you know, just back about. in the day, hey, when I was there, there was about seven of those factories. You know, Cooper Dodco was big, yeah. and that Miller's was making those uh, flagpoles and stuff. And, and Dietrich out there and Nimco and all those places, there were a ton of factories there in town. And a lot of the people lived and worked right there in Hicksville. That, that was neat. Yeah. Coach, what's your most memorable game? Oh, probably um, we beat in that second year, we beat Ayersville for the first time in a long time. You know, Craig McCord did a great job. And he had just, for whatever reason, we could never beat them. And we got those guys and, and beat them in a game at, right, it was in, in the, down there at the pool in the stadium at Hicksville. And that, that was a big win. And then we, we beat a good Tenora team the next year. And uh, so that, there were some there were some good wins. And then, you know, obviously winning the, the two league championships was nice. Maybe something that maybe is a, a negative, but I remember going to Holgate last game of the season to win the game and about five or six of our best players were being disciplined for we 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 had to beat Holgate with about half a squad smooth what was your most memorable game oh man uh, probably the game where I actually got to run tailback instead of playing quarterback. <laughs> oh, uh, in all in all actuality, Steve was uh, probably you know when Coop was there. <clears throat> I think we we must have had ten seniors because every senior got a game dedication, and I remember getting kicked out of the Antwerp game, and it was my best friend Jamie Silvers' uh, game dedication that I got kicked out. <laughs> and uh, I felt like crap and we ended up getting our tails kicked. So, uh, yeah, that's probably my most memorable game. And it wasn't a, a fond memory, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, uh, Hey Coop, I wanted to, I wanted to bring something up to these guys, you know, your first year there. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but I can remember one of the things that made me, you know, and it had nothing to do with football or anything like that. As far as I, guess. I think a lot of people know that when you came there, you didn't really, 
you had a house, but it was still, it must have been still in Waynesfield because you would stay in that pool and that's where you would sleep at night. And I know how bad that locker room stunk. And now if that's not dedication, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Man. Good Lord. And, uh, you know, just the energy that you brought to the practice field every single day, you know, we sit, that was back in the day when the Hicksville school was still the old high school and there wasn't any air conditioning. Everybody sat in that heat all day long in the beginning of the season, you know, how hot it would get. And you'd come out every single day, clapping your hands. Let's, let's go to work. And we're all like, Oh my God, I wish you would just be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> just the energy you brought every day, man, was, was, you know, it, it kept going and everything. And the only time, the only, the only thing I want to bring up is the only time I've ever found that you lied to me was you said something to me one time. And I said, man, uh, that's not cool or something like that. And you said, smooth, I've forgotten more about being cool than you'll ever know. <laughs> and I found that to be fake news, just so you know. <laughs> that's interesting because every place i've ever coached the one thing those kids always say to me after i'm gone or when i'm coming they say coach you have such passion for coaching this game and and gave me that we start about half of our practices at shawnee and i tell those guys there's no way the 62 year old head coach should have more energy and enthusiasm for this game than you guys and i tell them if one of these days, the old guy's going to get too old to coach this game the way I want to coach it, but it's not today. So get your ass ready to practice. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and I'm, it, not, I'm not backing down today. Someday <laughs> I'm going to get too old, but that day is not today. <laughs> how, how many more years do you think I'll do it, coach? I have no idea. Hey, to be honest with you, Rob, I'm looking forward to maybe coaching without teaching and see if not having that teaching load extends the my opportunity to continue to coach because i can tell you i have as much patience to coach right now as as i do the very first day i started and, and someone has asked me that how, how do you how do you in in today's society and the way things are how do you stay in that coaching for you know 35 years or whatever it is 36 or whatever it is and how do you keep that patient going and it's because i don't think i've i can't i haven't found anything that i'd rather be doing than coaching high school football and being around the players and the atmosphere that goes along in that locker room. And, uh, I, you know, I, it, it's just, I think it's become a part of my fiber, my being. And someone asked me, you know, what do you do? Hey, I'm a football coach. I've always been a football coach. Or anything other than a football coach, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> hey, do you, do you still serpentine the, the offensive line? <laughs> uh, no, only when we, uh, we want to go unbalanced stuff. Uh, and we, we used to do that quite a bit, too. Serpentine that line out. Hey, yeah. Elvis, I got that back when I was I was a grad assistant at Ottermine. I graduated. I coached high school. When I was in when I was in college, I was coaching at the high school level at the high school where I played. Well, after I'd done that for a couple of years, I wanted to get in that college coaching. And so I was a grad assistant at Ottermine. We played Denison University, and those guys ran the single wing. And I always thought that was the neatest thing. Whenever they flipped their line back and forth, they serpentined out of the huddle when they went to that other side. And so 
we stole that and we did that and i did that for lots of years all the way up through even some at columbus grove and then we got away from it when i went to lama summer cab because yeah, i was live, young i'm sorry go ahead elvis i was just gonna ask him you live on a golf course in lima or i'll tell you what i do castle built there for you or anything yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know what i did i was smart enough this time when when we lived in tennessee we lived up on a on a ridge and i i bought a lot beside the house where we got and so i had a whole bunch of ter- uh, ground and had about an acre and a half property I had to mow and, and upkeep so this time when i moved i moved into a condo that's about 600 yards from shawnee school and so if i wanted to in fact i had my hip replaced this spring and uh, for therapy they wouldn't let me drive because it was my right hip and they until the doctor signs off you can't drive so for therapy i rode my bike over to the school we live close enough and so i lived in this condo so i had to mow the grass don't have to move snow or anything like that so pretty do you still do you still wear the bike pants uh that would be a negative. No, <laughs> I wouldn't want to see this fat body in, in bike pants. The those gray old, bike shorts. Those, those old school bike uh, shorts with the waistband of about four inches thick. <laughs> and and a, the waistband was thicker than how long the legs came down. Yeah. They, they were short shorts with a four inch wide uh, band at the top. And I, I hate to admit that I did wear those for quite a while. But we may have, we may have, I think when I got, when I met Amy and got married to her, she, she nixed all them bikes. Yeah. She said, no go. I said, <laughs> those went out, those went out with all the other things that I didn't have room for. <laughs> uh, why don't you give us a little, little, uh, little info about your, uh, we got about 10 minutes to go. Well, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I think we have a, we, we have a really good crew of guys back. And part of the problem was when I came to Shawnee, they had had a freshman class that had two kids in it. I mean, we have a, we have a hundred plus kids, 130 kids in every grade. And the year before I got there, there was only two freshmen that played because they canceled the freshman schedule and the varsity coach at that time was just beating the daylights out of the freshmen. So there wasn't anybody out there. So that was our senior class last year. Well, we worked our magic and got that class up to five or six. So our senior class last year had five players. And so because of that, we played a bunch of sophomores and juniors last year. So we have a a lot of experience back and we have, you know, nine or 10 starters back on both sides of the ball. And we have 19 varsity lettermen back. And, and we've gotten the numbers up to about 65 kids in the program. So there's, there's a lot of positives. And I think we have the potential to be a pretty good football team. We don't have one guy that's a, you know, standout division one athlete, but we got about eight or 10 kids that could all make plays and, and are really working together. So if we execute and do the things we're supposed to do, I think we can compete in every game. Now, whether or not we can win those games, well, that comes down to, how much execution and how, and how things go in the game, whether or not our, our guys will really dig in and compete the way they're supposed to. But I, I feel good about the level of kids we have in the program. They're all committed, and, and we have, uh, have a lot of returning starters. And one question for you, Smith. How was your best game, not your 322 yards in one game? 
all-purpose yards. Really? You know, believe it or not, Elvis, that's the sorest I've ever been after a football game, and I hardly got touched. <laughs> but the the reason that it's not one of the most memorable games is it was from a standpoint of I finally got the start as a sophomore, but at the same time, you know, I there was a pretty good line ahead of me, and we were playing Holgate, who I think went totally defeated that year. But, uh, I mean, the upside of it is you still got 11 guys wanting to tackle you and rip your head off. But, uh, no, nah, it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm kind of a realist, and, you know, Holgate was pretty terrible that year. But <laughs> So, no, I'm not even chalking that up to <laughs> anything – anything great by any means all right well we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap up here pretty soon but coach thanks for coming on um i tell you it was i was a little nervous because i hadn't spoken to you in a billion years and blue boy sent me a, sent me a text with your phone number and you know you picked up like we'd been talking every week for the past several years and it, it truly is a, a, an honor for us to have you on here tonight and just to test that memory yeah memories faded quite a bit and you know it sometimes I look back and I think where did that 30 years ago because you know that was 90 91 and 92 and so literally that's been 30 years ago and and I've had a ton of teams and stuff in between there but it, it's like the faces and the people around that program they're as real to me right now as they were the years that I was there and and you know a smooth you'll always be smooth. I don't know why they called you smooth. It certainly wasn't for how you handled the snap. It must have something to do with your touch of the ladies or whatever. But, you know, it was just the, the, the people the people in Columbus Grove were, it, were they, they used to make fun of me in Columbus Grove because I they, they always said, oh, this is the best town you've ever Oh, I love the Hicksville. And, and to be honest, I used to pimp those guys at, at Columbus Grove and tell them, at Hicksville was just as good a small town as Columbus Grove. And and every place I've been, I've, I've, I've basically ha had embraced the fact that, hey, I'm your coach, you're my town, you're my guys, and if I go on someplace else, you're still my guy. You know? And so those guys that played for me in Hicksville, they'll always be my guys. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Coach. It was wonderful. Thanks, Rob. Hey, Smooth, it's good seeing you, man. Tell those guys in your class I said hi, will you? I, I sure will, Coop, man. It was good seeing you, buddy. Okay, hey, well, good luck. Good luck to the aces. Hey, kick their aces, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, see you, guys. Hey, see you. Yeah. Elvis. Tell your dad. Tell your dad it's good seeing him, too. Okay? I, will. I will. Well, you Rob, hear the music. Thanks. You hear the see music. Ya. You know what that means. It's shout-out time, Elvis. Okay, see ya. Uh, shout out to uh, Coach Coop for coming back on. It's been 30, 30 long years. Appreciate you coming on. I got a shout out to Tate for tomorrow. He's showing a, uh, a big 1,700-pound steer. Hopefully he gets the grand champion. Nice. Tara, you got any shout outs? Uh, shout out to my mom for talking to my dad into actually coming on here. That's awesome. <laughs> shout out to Ann Pam. Bechtel. Shout out to Smooth. Been a long time since I've seen him. So let's just say him. 
<laughs> I take this hat off, man. It's gray. <laughs> I let the beard grow. There's a lot of gray in there. <laughs> Don't let him fool you. Don't let him fool you. Uh, I've got a shout out to Mark. I want to shout out to Mark and Anna Shepard for the t-shirts they made for me. Uh, they're a little big, but uh, maybe I can work on getting a little bit bigger. And a shout out to the boss dog for running into me this weekend. Uh, it was nice to see you again. Uh, but that'll do it for this installment of the Duder Podcast. We thank you all for, uh, for listening. Um, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, we ask that you subscribe, rate, and review. Be sure to like the Duder Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to get in touch with the show, shoot us an email, duderpodcast at gmail.com. The Duder Podcast is a Beat2K production created and produced by myself, Rob Bailey. Executive producers are Mike Bailey, Doug Billman, and Steve Bechtel. Social media director is Tara Bailey. Hair and makeup, as always, by the elusive Curtis Metz. That's why we're all wearing hats tonight. This is Beat signing off. You've been listening to the Duder Podcast. Take me home, yeah. I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to oh, take me. That's my favorite part of the yeah. show. I'm, I'm leaving on that. I'm leaving on that right there. I'll see you, okay? Because it's always good. Hey, don't.